resort. You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. It's been a while. I know I shouldn't have kept you waiting. But I'm here now. <laughs> it's Mickey, bitch. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of Pulse Pounding. It has been so long. It's been a while. <laughs> that sounds so cringe. I really need to stop it. I've been listening to Britney's greatest hit CD in the car today. It's been so long since we sat down and just had a nice little talk together. How long has it been? I think the last time was before my birthday. Isn't that crazy? That was December. We're in January. Oh my God. Tomorrow is tomorrow, February? How many days are in January? Oh, Wednesday. Wednesday. By the time you hear this, it's fucking February. Who knew? I am at the studio today. It is a long day. I just finished my second interview of the month. Those will be coming out following this episode. Very exciting. And I feel like it's time to catch up on some life stuff, on some new music. What better day than today? Okay, so last time we spoke, sat down and had a nice friend-to-friend conversation. It was... <laughs> I'm so sick of myself today, honestly. I've been editing interviews for the past three weeks. I'm sorry, that was my third interview of this month that I did today. And honestly, I am so tired of listening to myself talk. Editing is such like a daunting process, but I will never not do it myself. Someone was just saying to me this week when I was having a conversation about the podcast, because obviously it's all I talk about. They were like, why don't you just hire someone to edit your episodes? And I'm like, no, I am a control freak. I cannot let anyone put their hands on this project. <laughs> I am too specific with the things that I want, you know? But at the same time, I'm so sick of listening to my own goddamn whiny fucking voice that it, it's just too much. Every week, it's like hours of editing, which I don't mind the editing. I really don't. It's listening to myself. By the time Tuesday night comes around, by like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I'm usually done editing for a midnight release. I'm like, God, I need to stop talking. I don't want to be on the phone. I am so tired of the sound of my own voice. But here we are again in headphones with me listening to myself talk. So last time we spoke was right before my birthday, December 5th. On my actual birthday, I did like the family thing for dinner. My cousin's boyfriend, Omar, is like a serious fucking home chef and he makes these crazy dinners. So I decided for my actual birthday, I just wanted to like keep it low-key. I'm not really an it's my birthday person. I don't really give a fuck. But this is 30, so I felt like we had to do something to celebrate, even though I don't care. And also, like, my best friend Rachel was not about to let me get away with not celebrating my 30th. So I figured, let me decide on what I want to do so she doesn't force me to have a party. The last thing I wanted was a fucking party of people. First of all, I told everybody, if you throw me a goddamn surprise party, I'm turning around and I'm walking out. I hate that fucking shit. I hate when people sing you happy birthday. I hate when people congratulate you on another fucking year. Who cares at this point? We're not five years old having a Spider-Man birthday party. We are adults. So for my actual birthday, I did the family thing. We had a great time. So then I decided to actually celebrate. If we're going to do it, I want to do something I want to do. What do I ever only want to do? Shake my ass on the dance floor and or on top of a table. So I decided that I wanted to go see Dom Dalla at Marquis in the city because he played on the 10th. So my birthday was the 5th of December and he played at Marquis on the 10th. He is my favorite DJ of the moment. He is so good. I love all of his music. And we decided to get a table, do the rich route, which was the best idea that we could have had. So we went to dinner. It was eight of us. We went to dinner at my favorite restaurant in the city, which is Cafeteria. Cafeteria is like my spot. It's like the place I first started to go. I guess I started going there in like 2011. So I was dating this guy for the first time. <laughs> that was an experience. And he lived in the West Village. So he used to take me to this place, Cafeteria, which was like a very gay restaurant. And I wasn't used to that at that point. Like I had never been around a bunch of gays. <laughs> but everyone that works there is a big homo. Um, but it's just like a really cool kind of like upscale diner. And they used to be open 24 hours and they are no longer. I'm very upset about it. But 
I knew that that was the spot I wanted to go because it just means so much to me. Like it's so representative of a very specific time in my life where I first started to feel like I could be myself and I first started to live that way unapologetically, I guess is the right way to say it. Um, So that always holds those memories. And I've been there so many times with so many important people in my life throughout my 20s. I feel like I started my 20s there in such an incredible way that it was the perfect place to end it and send it off, you know? So we went to dinner there and it was a great experience. I honestly just like looked around the whole time and was thinking of all these different memories of so many years in my of my life that have happened within those walls, you know? I'm pretty sure that that was the first place. Hmm, maybe not. I wanted to say it was the first place I had a legal drink, but I don't think it was, but it was definitely a place where I was illegally underage drinking because it's the city. They don't fucking ID you. Nobody cares. So we did that. That was great. And we took a limo into the city. We like pre-gamed at my brother's house. We all got into the limo. We went to the dinner and then the club. I think limos are kind of corny to take places. (laughs) I'm not the person who's going to pose for a picture in front of the limo to celebrate. Um, But it definitely made the most sense rather than taking the train with such a big group of people. Now, prior to getting to dinner in the limo, I have the bladder of a child. We were drinking from the moment we got to my brother's house until the moment we got back in the limo at fucking 3.30 in the morning. And I have to pee every six seconds. I don't understand what my problem is. I don't know if it's the size of my bladder. Maybe I'm just a bitch. I'm not really sure. So we're in the limo almost at the restaurant. We're probably like 10 minutes out driving and we're stuck in traffic and i'm like i'm literally gonna piss myself there's no bottles for me to pee in in this fucking limo i've been drinking nonstop on this hour and a half car ride like i need to get out and my best friend rachel is like you're fine you're gonna be fine we're almost there just hold it you're fine i'm like no no no. i'm not gonna make it like four minutes later i'm like seriously just pull over and let me the fuck out and i will walk the rest of the way, however long it takes me, 10 minutes to the restaurant. You guys get to the restaurant, order me a drink, and I will be there shortly. My cousin is sitting next to me, and she's like, I'm literally going to piss myself. And I'm like, me too. Let's get the fuck out. We get out of the limo, drunk, at like, God, it's probably like 7 o'clock at night at this point, right? So it's not like it's quiet in the city at 7 o'clock at night. And we're looking around for a spot to pee, and we see this like, you know those weird parts of like brownstone apartments in the city where there's like (laughs) you walk down the stairs into like this little pit on the side we literally jumped down there and she's like i think i pissed myself a little (laughs) i think i pissed myself a little because i'm under the impression that she's just gonna jump in the pit and go on one side and i'm on the other right and then i look back as i'm peeing and she's standing up there like waiting for me to finish and i'm like what are you doing? And she's like, well, I'm just looking out to make sure no one's coming. I'm like, at this point, I don't care. Give me a fucking ticket for public urination. I don't give a motherfuck. I'm like, there's no reason you have to stand up there and watch out for me. So as she's standing up there watching out for me, she kind of pissed herself. So then she comes down and finishes off in the fucking (laughs) pit of this brownstone. And she's like walking and she's looking at me and she's like, is it noticeable? Did I really pee myself? And I'm like, "Uh, no, I mean, I can't tell. It doesn't. It looks like you're fine. (laughs) So we're walking back to the restaurant cold. It's freezing at this point in December. We get to the restaurant, have a great dinner. Everything's going great. Then we jump in an Uber to get to the club, which is like another 10 or 15 minutes away driving. We get to the club. We get online. Obviously, you have a table reservation. You have like a separate line. You're not waiting on the general admission. You're kind of just waiting outside the gate. My brother is 21. So I've been telling him all week that he needs to dress appropriately to go to the club. I'm like, these are New York City clubs. They already don't like men. They'll look for any reason to just throw a guy out or tell you you can't fucking come in. They don't give a fuck. Another thing about New York City clubs is that they're strict about their dress code. So I've been telling him, you cannot wear ripped jeans. Anywhere you go as a guy that's like a club or a restaurant in the day, club at night, bar environment, unless you're going to like your local dive trash bar, you can't wear ripped jeans. It's like the number one thing that they try to kick guys out for. Ripped jeans and sneakers. Girls, fine. You could have a rip down your asshole. They don't give a fuck. They'll let you in. But for some reason with guys, they're not letting you in with ripped jeans. So that's the number one thing I was telling him. Don't wear ripped jeans. Don't wear sneakers. So he's FaceTiming me throughout the week shopping. 
So he goes to get shoes and the motherfucker is showing me sneakers. They're literally sneaker shoes. They're just blue. <laughs> I'm like, just because they look a little nicer than regular Nikes that you wear, Air Force Ones, doesn't mean they're dress shoes. Like, get a nice pair of shoes. So whatever. He got a nice outfit on. He looked great. We get up to the gate for the bouncer to check our IDs before they walk us into the table. And this motherfucker thinks it's funny to make a joke. He's the first one to go. So we've got six girls, me, and him. So we're already, we have a good ratio for a New York City club. Like you always want to have hot bitches with you and you always want to have more girls than guys. So he gets up to the gate. He's the first one to give his ID and he makes a fucking joke and goes, oh yeah, it's my fake New Jersey ID. And we look at each other, my best friend and I, and he looks at the bouncer and the bouncer goes, is this how you want to start your night off? And I'm like, Oh my fucking God, here we go. What kind of fucking idiot are you? You already look like you're 12. You're 21. Your ID says you're 21. You already look like you're 12. Is it the number one thing you want to do today is get kicked out? Because I'm telling you right now, it is my 30th birthday. And if you are not allowed in this club, you are going home in an Uber that I will pay for alone because I am not missing Dom Dalla. I did not put on leather pants to come out to this event, to be sent home because you think you're fucking slick and funny. I wanted to kill him in this moment. So whatever, we get in, we get to the table. They give us like the super small table. My best friend Rachel does like her thing, you know, where she's like in charge and she's the boss. And she's like, this is not what we reserve. This is not for eight people. What's going on here? So they move us to a bigger table. The night starts starts off. I'm having the best time. Dom Dollar comes on. I don't even know what time. Was it a, was it 12? Was it one? Who knows? Everything's just a blur. Bottles are pouring. Tequila's coming out. I don't drink fucking tequila. Anybody who knows me knows I don't drink tequila because it makes me angry. And we do not have a good time. <laughs> but everyone else loves tequila and does fine on it. So I was drinking vodka mostly. But for some reason, they brought up the tequila first. So I was like, well, if it's here, I'll drink it. I'm drinking tequila and orange juice. After I had already had espresso martinis at my brother's house to pregame. Then I was drinking vodka and Sprite. Then we were doing green tea shots. Then we get in the limo. We're drinking champagne and White Claws and shots of Jameson. Then we go to dinner. We have a round of espresso martinis. Then we drink two bottles of red wine, and then we all ordered a cocktail. I'm pretty sure I had a Prosecco after that. Then we get to the club, and we're drinking tequila and vodka and fucking juice and soda. Honestly, it is an absolute miracle that I did not throw up by the end of the night. But unfortunately, not everyone saw the same fate. So I'm like known for disappearing at some point. I am the kind of person where I'm a lone wolf and will go out to an event with a bunch of people and for some reason, I'll just go off on my own somewhere for like an hour and I'll see you the fuck later. So we're at the table and my best friend's sister, who is not about like clubs and crowds, all of a sudden has some alcohol in her and she's like, I want to go into the crowd and go to the front. And I'm like, all right, bitch, if that's what you want. So we all go, the four of us, my best friend, myself and her two sisters, we go up to the front. We like move our way through the crowd over the course of a few minutes and we're like right up front. We are like on the side of the DJ booth. So next to the DJ booth at any of these venues or clubs, they'll have like a big table or a section for like the artists, people to kind of hang out. So Dom Dahl is Australian. There's a bunch of Australians hanging out at this table. We start talking to them and making new friends. The guy gives me a shot because somebody told him it was my birthday. So we're like doing shots with Dom Dalla's entourage. And I'm like determined at this point to get on that stage. But I was wasted and it was it was too aggressive. It wasn't about to happen. But I will stick my camera so far into the DJ's face. It looks like I'm like right up against them. I'm like on the ledge with my arm up getting like the best one minute video. It looks like I'm literally in Dom Dalla's nostril. So one by one, everyone starts dropping, right? So for some stupid reason, I left my phone at the table and I had Rachel's sister Rihanna's phone in my hand to take videos. So the girls start dropping one by one and going back to the table. Rachel says before she leaves, don't forget, we have to catch the limo at 3 a.m. on the dot out front. And it's like 2.15 at this point. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll be back in a few minutes. So I have Rihanna's phone which is locked, so I can take pictures, but I don't remember her passcode, so I can't open it. So my phone's at the table somewhere. After like a solid 15, 20, 25 minutes, 
Rachel starts like blowing up Rihanna's phone with texts and I can't open it because I don't have the password. So I'm like, all right, I guess I got to go, right? So I start walking back through the crowd and it's hard to get through that crowd when they're all like pushed up against each other. So I start walking and then the phone rings. Thankfully, without the passcode, you can still answer a fucking phone call. So I pick up the phone. I'm like, where are you? And she's talking, but I can't really hear what she's saying because it's so loud. I can hear her voice, but I can't make out the words. So I'm like, what? What are you saying? Finally, I hear we're outside as I'm at the table. Like I walk up to the table and no one's there. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck? Where did everyone go? Oh, they must have went outside. As I had the thought they must have went outside, I could finally hear her say, we're outside. I'm looking for my phone and I'm like, no, it's not on the booth. Like she probably got it. All our shit's gone except for like the empty bottles and the ice. So I walk down the hallway and I walk out of the front of Marquee. I look to the right and I see them. I'm like, do you have my phone? Someone hands me my phone. I give Rihanna her phone back. I'm looking around and Raquel is like on the street drunk yelling about something. And I'm looking at Rachel and she's making the face, right? Like I know Rachel and I have been best friends since we were like 17, 16, 17. I know when something's wrong just by the look in her eye. She could be smiling and trying to fake it. And I'll look in her eyes and be like, oh, something's wrong. We're not going to have a good situation. And I saw that look on her face and I thought, oh, no, my brother is like wasted against a telephone pole or some shit, like standing in the corner. So I'm trying to assess the situation. So the story goes that Rachel saw my brother, Anthony, like bent over at the booth. Now this is happening while I'm gone at the front of the stage by myself. He's like bent over and he looks like he's going to throw up. So she's looking at him and she's like, are you going to throw up? Which is really kind of strange because he drinks a lot because he's a fucking 21 year old frat boy fuck. And he doesn't get sick. Like I've never really seen him like get sick the night of. So she's looking at him and she's like, are you going to throw up? And he, I guess mumbles. And then she walks him to the bathroom but he's like bending over kind of like with his head under the table, like the table of the club. So she walks him to the bathroom and she looks down at her shoes and she realizes that he's already thrown up all over her open toed shoes under the table of the club, having had no idea until she walked him to the bathroom. So now they come back and the security at the club realizes that someone threw up under the table and is blaming her older sister. Her older sister is now yelling about how she's a mom of a two-year-old and she would never throw up in the club. Now, mind you, I didn't see any of this. I'm just hearing the story because I was gone as a lone wolf at the front of the stage doing shots with the Australians. The security picks her older sister, Raquel, up by her arms and carries her out. Rachel's now trying to grab all of everyone's shit with her other sister, Rihanna, and get everybody's shit so we can get the fuck out. Mind you, this all happened at 2.45 a.m. when we had to walk out the door 10 minutes later to catch the limo at 3. (laughs) If just another 15 minutes had passed without Anthony throwing up under the table, none of this ordeal would have happened. And this is the story of my life. This is the shit that I'm talking about when I make the videos or I record episodes when I'm like, This always happens to me by chance, but it's always within a few minutes of it wouldn't have happened if just enough time had passed. So basically, they threw everyone out. Now my friend Alexa, who you remember from the Steve Aoki episode or having sex in the outfield, Alexa is yelling in a basically a bustier. She's wearing like a bra with like this sparkly thing over it. She looked so hot, but she's basically naked and marquee getting into a fight with this bouncer, yelling, don't touch her, about Rachel's sister, trying to get her free from being dragged out of the club. If you knew Raquel, Rachel's older sister, and who she was as a person, this bitch has been a mom since I met her in eighth grade. She is a mom. It's her personality. She has a great time. She's a great personality. She loves to party. But she's not like a wild child throwing up in a club, getting thrown out. So she's trying to convince the bouncer that she's not the one who threw up. Alexa's trying to fight the bouncer. Rachel's telling the bouncer it wasn't her. It was the other guy who threw up. So now they basically just throw everyone out. And then they realize they made a mistake. So they apologize to Raquel for blaming her for throwing up. Her and the bouncer, who was a woman, the security, had this like heart-to-heart moment about being moms, which is so gay. 
And then they tell her that she can go back in. Everybody can go back into the table. But then they're like, that girl can't come back in, which was Alexa because she had a bad attitude. Rightfully so. She was defending her honor. She was defending Raquel as a mother. Mind you, nobody wants to go back in the club anyway because it's fucking 3 a.m. and we were leaving. We're like, we're trying to get out of here. We're not trying to stay. It just so happens that 15 minutes before we were walking out the door, this whole situation erupts. So I walk out to this situation have just kind of has just kind of like settled down. So now they're <laughs> in their own little corners. Alexa's apparently crying. Why? I don't know what prompted the emotions. Probably the tequila. And then Anthony is drunk, my brother, on the telephone post. Raquel's screaming about how she's a mother and she didn't throw up. Rachel looks like she wants to literally stab every person who's with us. So I walk around the corner with my brother. I get like the brief story of what happened. I walk around the corner with my brother to escort him to pee in an area where he won't now get arrested on top of everything else that happened. And I'm like, you throwing up? Like, I don't know, something happened. And he's like, I did? I'm like, do you don't remember throwing up 10 minutes ago? Okay, crazy. So we finally wrangle everybody and get into the limo. Rachel, at this point, I don't understand the fact that he threw up on her. So she's sticking her foot out the door and she's making a mad face. I'm wasted. When I tell you I am fucking obliterated and I'm looking at her and I'm like, you look really angry. And then I'm looking around and I'm like, what's that smell? And I look over and I see her pouring a water bottle with her shoes off on her feet to get the vomit chunks off of them out of the limo. And I was like, oh no, this is not good. At that point, literally almost everyone passes out in the limo. I fell asleep in Manhattan and I woke up in Suffolk County. We all went back to Rachel's mom's house and we all slept there. And I went to bed and I heard the girls like in the kitchen recapping the night. And at this point, I've said this before, I'm like an end of the night hangover person. So at this point, I'm like already getting hungover and a headache. And I'm thinking to myself, if I just go to sleep, I'll be fine. But if I get up and try to participate in this conversation as bad as I want to, it's a bad idea because then I will throw up. I will literally vomit. So I just went to sleep. I woke up, God, maybe five hours later at like 10 in the morning. And when I tell you I had the worst headache, I was so nauseous. I thought I was going to vomit everywhere. I couldn't talk to anyone for like two hours. They were like, hey, woo, sitting at the table. And I was like, please don't speak to me. So we all got egg sandwiches and coffee. And I started drinking some orange juice. And all of a sudden, after like two hours of being awake, I just came alive and I was ready to go. I couldn't have imagined a better night to ring in my 30th it honestly in hindsight like now that it's all over the whole end of the night thing that happened was just funny as fuck now that it's over it was not funny at the time but it is a funny story to look back on and i would not have had it any other way so that was my birthday i feel like i celebrated my 30th for like a week i became one of those women that i hate that are like it's my birthday week and they just (laughs) make it a spectacle I swear, when they brought out the fucking dessert with the candle in it at the restaurant, I wanted to kill myself. I can't stand when people sing happy birthday to me or anyone else. I don't know how or when that became a thing. It is miserable. Nobody knows how to sing most times in your life. It is disgraceful. And I want nothing to do with it. Leave me alone. I have to suffer through it every year for 36 seconds. And I just want to put an end to it, please. Can we outlaw that? We're so worried about women getting abortions. Can we outlaw the happy birthday song? I want someone arrested when they start to sing it. Thank you. Oh, my God. I totally forgot the best part. Do you want to hear the best fucking part of this whole story? Is that a week later... I go to Alexa's birthday lunch. Her birthday is just a week after mine in December. And she's like, we sit down in this fucking igloo at a vineyard, the most white girl shit you can do. It was very cute, but it was very like, you know, Instagrammable. So we're sitting in this igloo having lunch and wine at the vineyard. And she goes, I have to tell you something, but you can't be mad at me. And I was like, be mad at you. What the fuck did you do? What are you talking about? She's like, well, at your birthday party. I may have made out with your brother several times. And I'm like looking at her first confused. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Second of all, why would I be mad at you for that? Good for him. The 21-year-old at the party was making out with the hot 28-year-old that I work with and am friends with who's got her big new fake boobs out, her toddler tits. 
And you think I'm going to be mad about that? Good for him. High five to you, girl. So I had had no idea that this was going on before he threw up. So that was my first question. I'm like, was this before he threw up all over the floor, I hope? And it was. So then I hadn't spoken to him, which was so weird because him and I will talk all the time. But for some reason, we just like hadn't spoken or reached out in like the week following my birthday party. So I call him up or I texted him. I texted him and I was like, "Mm, so you neglected to tell me that you were making out with my 28 year old coworker at my birthday party. And he was like, what are you talking about? So we get on the phone and I'm explaining to him the story that she told me. And he's like, yo, I was so blacked out. I didn't even remember that. But good for me. And I was like, yeah, that was right before you threw up. And he was like, threw up. What are you talking about? I'm like, you don't remember throwing up inside the club under the table and the fucking scene that ensued directly after that. This motherfucker had no idea that he was making out or that he had basically ruined the end of the night, which was really no big deal because we were about to leave. But he had no idea all the drama that was caused by him vomiting under the table at the club. This is why you can't bring a 21-year-old anywhere. So it was my birthday. Christmas did the family thing. New Year's did the family thing. And January was the start of a new year. I hate the holidays. I really do. And I know I sound like a Scrooge, but I hate Christmas because it becomes all about the fucking gifts and the shopping and the stress. And I just cannot stand it. It is awful. Every year, I'm like, can't we just go away on a vacation? And this year, we were so close. My aunt had this idea that we were all going to go away for Christmas, take my grandma and my cousins, and we were all going to go on a vacation. And it almost seemed like it was going to happen, and it didn't. I want to skip Christmas one year so fucking bad. I can't stand it. I love when we get to Christmas, and it's like time to have dinner and hang out with the family and drink a bunch of wine. I just hate the whole stress and preparation. Like, I don't care. I don't need you to buy me a gift. I don't want to buy you a gift that's thoughtless. If I want to think of you and buy you something because it's thoughtful, I'll do that at whatever point of the year it is. I love birthdays because I feel like that's the restart to your year. I don't get into New Year's either. I think that like my birthday, and I talked about this, I think, before, is like my reflection time to think about my life and and behaviors and choices and what I like and what I want to change, all that stuff. I feel like that's my personal new year, new start. You know, I don't think the mass holiday that everybody celebrates on December 31st is that, but whatever. And Christmas is like too much stress with the gifts and the bullshit. You know, everybody got gift cards this year. And I told my whole family, I said, you all got gift cards because I'm not in the fucking mood this year. And I'm also not in the mood to pretend I give a shit. So here you go. Here's a $50 Amazon card. Spend it wisely. Goodbye. It has been a very eventful January first month of the new year. Okay. I've done a bunch of interviews that are coming out in the next couple of weeks. Very excited about that. I've been busy with the podcast and then life. For some reason, the universe decided that the first month of the year was the time that I should get some kidney stones. I have had kidney stones like maybe three times over the course of the past 10 years, but this time, was one for the books. So the last time I had a kidney stone was probably 2019, right before COVID. And it was about to come out. (laughs) And we did like a boys day out. We went to the bowling alley and we were drinking like a bunch of towers of beer. And then everybody decided they wanted to go eat. So we went to Hooters as the straights do because I kind of morph into one when I'm hanging out with the boys. And then everybody wanted to go go go-karting. We were in like this area where all of this stuff has kind of been one place. And then I was like, let's go to the strip club. Like we're right down the street from one of the best strip clubs in this area. Like, let's just go to the strip club on a Tuesday night and fucking rally. So that's what we did. So we got to the strip club and... (laughs) my friend Mike was wearing sweatpants because we were having like a chill boys day at the bowling alley. There was no reason to get dressed up, but they wouldn't let him in. So we had to go to the nearest TJ Maxx or Marshall's, whatever was close. And he was shopping for jeans. So when I had gone to the bowling alley, I was telling everybody about the kidney stone. And I was obviously taking Percocets because it's super painful. And every time I get a kidney stone, they'll give me the Percocets. I'll take them for a couple days. And then what I do with them after that is my business. (laughs) If my name's on the bottle, it's not a problem. If I'm buying them from the street, that's a problem. I just bent down to fix my headphone wire 
And I just bashed my head on the table and I'm really not excited about it. It hurt a lot. So I had taken a Percocet and then I decided I was going to drink towers of beer on my opiates. Okay. So I was taking those throughout the day. And right when it's time for the kidney stone to like almost come out, you have to pee literally every seven seconds. It's like in the tube, stuck in your little wiener hole and it just blocks it. And for some reason, every five minutes, you feel this like undying urge to pee like you haven't peed all fucking day. Like I was holding it in that goddamn limo or like you're walking through a fucking tailgate of a football game dying to get to the porta potty. And then you get to the bathroom and you pee and like almost nothing comes out. It's like a fucking dribble. It's the weirdest sensation. So that was happening all day. It finally came out in the urinal. It was huge. And for some reason, I decided we needed to celebrate. So I took a paper towel and gingerly grabbed it out of the urinal and came running out of the bathroom with it in the bowling alley, screaming, it's out. I was so excited. So then fast forward, I was so excited that we were finally done with that situation. We went to the strip club and I started telling all the strippers that we were celebrating because I had just given birth. (laughs) So probably like four, three or four weeks ago, beginning of January, I started feeling like this weird, sharp pain in like my upper abdomen. And I'm like, oh no, are we going for a kidney stone? It's been a couple of years. I'm about due. Like, are we doing this right now? And then I thought maybe no, it went away. A couple days later, I literally was doubled over. If you've never had a kidney stone, it's like the worst fucking pain in America. They compare it to childbirth. I don't know who came up with that comparison, but that's what they say. I believe them. Doubled over, dying in pain. And at this point, I'm like, maybe I'll just tough it out. Like, it's painful, but it's not as bad as I remember. So either that or I'm just not as much of a bitch as I used to be. But I'm pretty good with, like, tolerating pain. So I'm like, I'm going to be okay. I'm just going to tough it out. Three days later, fast forward, I thought I was going to fucking die. (laughs) So I couldn't go to the regular doctor because it was the middle of the night at this point. It's like already, I don't even even know what time I went. It was late. So I go to the emergency room at one of the worst hospitals I know of, but it's like six minutes from my house. I'm driving to the hospital, like doubled over, trying to steer the wheel in pain for the whole six minutes it took me to get there. Waited in the waiting room, walking in circles. They're like asking me to sit down so I can fill out information or they can take my temperature and all the dumb bullshit they do at the emergency room. And I'm like, I cannot sit down with this pain. I need to pace. I need to pace in circles. It's the only way I can take my mind off it. I was there for probably eight hours in total. It was insanity. They were so packed. By the time they finally fucking took me in, They had me in a bed in the hallway because they were so overcrowded. But at that point, they had given me morphine. So I really was not complaining. All I needed was a little pain medicine to take the edge off. And I was a happy camper. I actually sat in the emergency room watching the Elvis movie on my phone. Great movie if you haven't seen it. I didn't know what else to do while I was waiting literally three hours to just get taken to get a CAT scan. And then it takes them another two hours for them to read it. I'm so confused with modern technology why they can't just develop the CAT scan and send the image over within a reasonable period of time, but whatever. So they send me home with painkillers and say, let it out. (laughs) They sent me with some medication that makes you pee a lot as well, but they didn't really give much direction. So I just like toughed it out. They told me it was six millimeters, which is fucking enormous. And I wasn't sure if it was even going to come out to start with. So I get home and now like it usually takes like a week from that point. When you start to feel the pain really bad, it's moving through your kidney and then it drops into like your urinary tract, I guess. And at most, it takes a week to come out. Two weeks later, I was dying in pain and had no more opiates left. So I go back to the hospital and they're like, every person I spoke to was like, why didn't you go to a urologist? And I was like, well, no one fucking told me the last time I was here that I was supposed to go to a urologist. Is that like a standard thing? And they're like, yeah, you got to go to a urologist. And I'm like, well, what the fuck are they going to do for me at this point? I'm dying in pain. And I understand that you have to be careful with the opiates, but I have no drug history and you have a fucking CAT scan showing me three kidney stones now. So the first time they told me I had one, six millimeters. Then they told me the second time I was at the hospital, they took another CAT scan and they told me I had three. This is just an example of the worst hospital in America, Brookhaven Hospital. I looked at him and I said, well, did two more appear? Did they develop in the past 
10 days since I've been here? Or did you guys just conveniently forget to tell me about the other two last time, just like you did the fucking urologist, which now you're trying to penalize me for? So all they would give me was another three. They gave me another three Percocets. Are you high? Are you high on opiates? What do you think those three are going to do for me for the rest of the fucking week? I left the hospital and it took literally another week and a half. This thing just came out two days ago and I thought I was going to kill myself. I wanted to jump off a bridge. I was bleeding when I was peeing at some point. I literally thought my insides were going to come out of my dick hole. So I'm driving home the other night, the day it had come out. I was still having like this weird sensation of needing to pee all the time, which has since subsided. I was convinced I had a urinary tract infection, which is literally so uncommon for men. But they say like when a stone is trapped in there, it can cause it. So I'm panicking. So the day it came out, I still had the sensation of like needing to pee all the time. So I'm driving home from work. I stop at Applebee's because I'm like, I got to pee real bad. There was an Applebee's literally on my left. I'm like, great. Those crackheads that work there will definitely let me use the bathroom, even if I'm not a customer. They probably won't even notice. The 16-year-old hostesses with the big boobs at the front, they're busy coloring and doing some weird shit, sending nudes. I don't know. (laughs) Applebee's is a fucking hot mess. So I walk in, I use the bathroom, right? I left my car running because why not? It's freezing. Who's going to steal my car at Applebee's? Actually, based on what I was just saying about the kind of people that frequent and work there, maybe that wasn't the best idea. (laughs) Whatever. I left my car running. I go to the bathroom, I pee, I come out, I go to open my door, and I like, it, it just didn't open. And I'm thinking to myself, you know when you have those quick thoughts in your head that just happen really fast, and you don't even have time to like really say it out loud? But I'm just thinking to myself, oh, I must have just missed the lot, like I didn't pull it right. I pull it again. I realize <laughs> that my keys are locked in my car with the car running. I don't even know what to do at this point. I'm thinking to myself, I have my phone, my wallet is in the car, my money's in the car, the car is running, the windows are up. I'm trying to pull down the windows, like slide them with my hands. It is fucking frigid at this point. It's like 25, 30 degrees this night. I'm trying to pull the window down, nothing's working. I'm trying to pull all the latches, nothing's opening. Pull down every window, try to pop the trunk, which like in weird situations like that, you just think you have superpowers. Like all of a sudden my trunk's going to pop open with the touch of no button that's on there. The strangest thoughts occur when you're in a situation like that. Then I'm like, oh, AAA, no shit. I'll call AAA. I Google the number to AAA on my phone because my wallet is in the center console locked in the car. Put a pin in that, okay? So my AAA is through my aunt. It's like my Christmas gift every year. So my cousin always puts me on my aunt and she sends me the card every year. So every year I have AAA as like a gift. It's the best gift in the world. They will come get you anywhere. It's like the premium one. So they'll come get you like up to 200 miles away. So I'm like, great. AAA, call these motherfuckers. I don't know what was going on with their automated service, but every time I tried to click the fucking button, nothing was working right. I had a call back like three times before I could get transferred to a live person, which took like 20 minutes in the frigid cold. So now I'm talking to the woman, I'm explaining the situation, right? I'm like, I just kind of need someone to come here and figure out how to unlock my car. It's not a new car. So I'm sure you could just stick a little fucking Slim Jim in there and open it up, right? So she's asking me for my AAA number. And I'm like, well, <laughs> funny story, my wallet is locked in the center console, which has my AAA card in it. So I don't really know. And I don't have the app. Okay, what's your name? What's your phone number? What's your address? So she's looking it up and she can't find it. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, technically it's under my aunt, but you know, I'm on her account. So the card has my name on it. So maybe you can look it up this way. So I'm giving the AAA woman her name. And she's like, okay, well, what's her address, her home address? I'm like, um, <laughs> I don't know. I just know how to get there. <laughs> if you need me to drive there, I can drive you there. But I don't remember the address. And she's like, uh, all right, well, I can't help you. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, if you don't have the number and you can't give me her home address, I can't dispatch anyone. I'm like, can't you just send someone to open my car door and I will go in my center console and hand you my AAA card after we're done here? And she's like, no, it doesn't work like that. I can't dispatch anybody without the card number. I'm like, what do, what, what, what do I do? She's like, 
do you need the police? Are you in an emergency situation? Do you need an ambulance? I'm like, no, I just need someone to unlock my fucking car because I'm a fucking idiot who left the keys in it. What are we talking about here, police? So she goes, do you have a spare? And a light bulb popped. And I said, all right, thank you so much. I remember that somewhere in that goddamn fucking house, there is a spare key in a sandwich bag. It looks like cocaine, but it's just a bag full of spare keys. So I call my best friend who lives upstairs for me. And I'm like, go downstairs in my apartment and look in this box for my spare keys. I am sending an Uber to the house. The Uber will be there in six minutes. Give that bitch my spare keys because I am locked out of my car. I call the Uber driver and I'm like trying to convince her that this is a job she should do because although I paid for the Uber, they're technically not supposed to like take your property and deliver it. But I'm like, I am locked out of my car in the cold. Please assist me. I will tip you like whatever I need to do. So she was nice enough to take the keys and drove them to me. I'm stuck outside for like 20 minutes, 25 minutes. I left the car running at this point in front of Applebee's and walked to the gas station to get a cup of coffee and like a snack because I was bored and cold. And I was like, fuck it. At this point, if someone smashes my window and takes my car, they deserve it. Hopefully I can convince the insurance to pay me out and I'll make out better anyway with a new fucking car. So after... The weeks of the kidney stone drama, I finally feel like so relieved to be done with that situation. This is what happens to me the night of, all because I had to pee. So technically, it was the fault of my kidneys that I locked my keys in my car. Thanks a lot, asshole. All right, let's quickly go through some new music before I jump off the roof. Okay, we are two weeks into the new Miley Cyrus single, Flowers, and the announcement of the new album, Endless Summer Vacation, which is coming out in March. I love this song. Do I think it's the most groundbreaking hit that Miley Cyrus has ever put out? No, but I think the song is great. I am so hopeful of the title, Endless Summer Vacation, because what I need in my life is a good summer pop album, and she better fucking deliver. I'm so excited for this era. I hope she's touring. I'm dying to see her live. I haven't seen her since... When was the Bangers tour? 2013, which was a great fucking show. I am beyond excited for the Miley Cyrus era. I love her. I think she is so incredibly talented. I think the music she puts out is great. I don't know why her last album, Plastic Hearts, didn't hit the way I thought it was going to, because that shit is so good. I think she was a little early on like the pop, punk, rock resurgence. I think like she hit that wave early and maybe that's why, but that album is fucking gold and I don't know why it wasn't boosted to the level that this new single is being. I, I don't that doesn't make sense to me. But the single is great. It's doing incredible numbers. Number 1 on Billboard this past week and I'm so happy for her to have such a successful moment. I think she is awesome. I've always loved her and I feel like she's the celebrity I would most want to be friends with. Like I feel like she is such a cool real person. I don't know this, but you know, <laughs> I'm just making inferences and assumptions. We also need to talk about the new S.G. Lewis album, Audio Lust and Higher Love. I have been dying to hear this album in its entirety since the single, the first single Missing You came out. It instantly became my favorite S.G. Lewis song to this date. It is so addicting. The beat is surging. I love it. I was so excited for this album after that. And every song that's come out since prior to the album, has been a fucking slap. So the album is finally out. My two favorites are Infatuation and Another Life. Another Life should have been called Another Fucking Dimension because that's where it transports you to. It is so ethereal and like sonically pleasing. I can't even tell you what it's like to listen to that song stoned with your eyes closed in some headphones. But if you are a smoker, you should do it. If you're not, you should listen to it anyway. The entire album is great from start to finish. I like that. If you don't know S.G. Lewis, he is an electronic artist. And he's been using his own voice more in songs as his career has kind of progressed. The beginning of his career was more so other vocalists or like really pitched, edited kind of vocals if they were his. On his debut album, Times, there were a few more songs with his voice, with him singing. This album is heavily that. And almost all the songs are him. And I feel like he's really growing into his voice and he sounds great. The production, which he does, is absolutely insane, especially on the two songs that I mentioned. 
Infatuation and Another Life. This album is a 10 out of 10 for me. If you haven't heard this yet, make sure you get into it. Um, There's a song called Thunder by Madison Rose. Madison Rose is a New York-based artist. Um, She makes pop music. It's so good. This song isn't new, but apparently I missed it. So this song has been out for a little bit. But Thunder is like catching some traction on TikTok and various social media platforms. And that's how I discovered it. It is so 2010s electronic pop. It is everything that I miss from that era in one song. And this is what pop music should sound like. So if you haven't heard that, give that a listen. Last but not least, I can't fucking believe I'm going to say this. My favorite new music of the week is the album Diamonds and Dance Floors by Ava Max. Let me just let me just tell you what I think of Ava Max. Loved my head and my heart. Hated Sweet But Psycho. I don't know why people like that song. I thought it was corny. I thought the lyrics sucked. The beat was good. I just, she wasn't a thing for me. She has a couple songs I like. I think she's cool. I think she sounds good live. She has a great voice. I just feel like there was a bit of an identity crisis. I don't know if it was the label. She's very Lady Gaga in her look and her sound in her previous album. She doesn't understand why people compare her to Lady Gaga. I can't understand how she doesn't understand why people compare her to that, but okay. I feel like I just couldn't figure out who she was as an artist, and then certain songs I thought I just didn't like, right? So with this album, I haven't really been paying attention to it. I saw that it was coming out. It got delayed, the release once, I believe. Some imagery changed, the cover changed. I just wasn't paying enough attention to it because I just didn't really care, right? So when it came out, I was like, well, obviously, if it's coming out this week, I'm going to give it a listen. It's a buzzed about album. She's a talked about artist. I got to pay attention to it and at least give it like a once through, right? This entire album is produced by Circuit, who is one of my favorite producers. He's also a writer. So he's credited as a producer and a writer on every song on this album. And I don't know if this is his doing, if this is a collaboration between the two of them as far as the sound. Every single song on this album is fucking fire. It is nonstop dance pop bangers from start to finish. The only song that I really don't care for is the lead single, the first song on the album, Million Dollar Baby. It's just not my thing. I don't know why. I didn't really care for it. However, every other fucking song from start to finish is a slap. It is everything that the gays want. That's number one. First of all, she's giving the gays everything that they want. This is exactly what pop music is supposed to be, exactly what pop music is supposed to sound like. This is the kind of album that you play at a club and you start it from the top and you just let it go and you are nonstop shaking your ass on that floor, which is my favorite thing to do. Sleepwalker is one of my favorites. Maybe You're the Problem. Ghost and Dancing's Done are my two standouts, but every other song in between is absolute fire. So shout out to Circuit for producing yet another incredible album. He has his name all over so many songs and albums and projects that have like soundtracked my 20s and my teens even. He's been around forever. So many incredible artists and songs that he's been a part of. And this project is just another example of that. I think this is, I'm going to go really far. I think this is going to be one of the best pop albums of the year. And if this doesn't break her into like the mainstream as an artist, I don't know what will. This is like exactly the solution to every question mark I had on her. Who are you as an artist? What kind of music do you want to make? Where is your career going? This ties it all up into a bow. This is what she should be doing. And I think she's really found her way. I don't know if it's because of working with Circuit. There's a lot of really talented people on this album. MNEK is another favorite of mine as an artist, producer, writer. He wrote on Ghost, which is one of my two favorite songs. Um, I I just think this album is absolutely a 10 out of 10. And it's going to be one of the best pop albums of the year, mark my words. And that's it. So fun to sit down and chat with you. (laughs) I don't know when the next time we'll talk is because we have some interviews coming up for the next few weeks very excited to drop these next week specifically is going to be wild such a cool moment for me yeah so by the time we talk at least next time we'll have seen the super bowl halftime show which is going to be fucking insane i'm so excited for the rihanna concert at the super bowl imagine playing the super bowl where there is also a rihanna concert happening what an incredible moment for those players they're so lucky (laughs) 
<laughs> I also feel like their moment is kind of being eclipsed and overshadowed because everyone's so excited to see what she's going to do. I think it's a bold move and a big risk, honestly. Is she one of the most incredible pop artists? Yeah, but is it like a big gamble to go away for five years having not really performed at all other than like her fashion shows? And then the first live performance back in five years is the biggest stage in the world, the Super Bowl halftime show. I feel like she's Rihanna. She's going to pull it off. It's going to be amazing. But I think it's a big risk. So hats off to her. I really hope it's everything that I've envisioned and imagined. And if she doesn't do Where Have You Been, I'm going to fucking sue her. <laughs> and I want to see some old shit. Play me if it's loving that you want. Oh, I love that song so much to this day, but that's not happening for sure. I know it. So next time we talk and we sit down and have a nice chat, we'll have seen the Super Bowl. My best friend, Rachel, her 30th birthday is coming up in February, and we are going balls to the wall to celebrate, probably even more so than we did for mine. So I am sure there will be some kind of story. Hopefully no one throws up under the table at the club. As usual, if you're not following me on Instagram, that's very fucking rude. It's at Mickey, not the mouse. Make sure you're following the podcast Instagram, which is at Pulse Pounding. And if you are on a streaming service where you can leave a five-star review and you haven't or you don't following this message, you are a rude ass bitch. Why would you sit through this entire recording, this entire time listening to me sit here and talk at you and not leave a five-star review if you enjoyed it, okay? That is fucking rude. All right, I'll catch you hoes on the next one. Goodbye. 